Welcome to The Marcus Warren Show, powered by 960 Digital and the Wealth Empowerment Network. Now, here is your host, Marcus Warren. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the number one retirement and tax planning show in the region, The Marcus Warren Show. Hi, I'm your host, financial advisor, tax and world agent, and author of the Retirement and Tax Playbooks, Marcus Warren. And I hope everyone is doing well on this Sunday. And to my left, I am joined by our resident tax professional, D. How you doing, D? Hello and happy Sunday. And remember that if you miss any parts of the show and you want to catch up on anything you missed, all you have to do is subscribe to the Marcus Warren Show podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Also, throughout the show, we will be offering our Retirement Rescue Game Plan which is a physical packet of information that will help rescue your retirement from all the risks that threaten your nest egg once you are close and in retirement. Now, you may be asking yourself, what do I get in that game plan? Well, you get a copy of my two books, a few different financial reports, and access to my webinar entitled Taxes in Retirement. And the second question you may have is, how do I get my hands on that? Well, you can simply order that by going to warrenwealth.net. That's warrenwealth.net. You go to the site, put in your information, and that retirement and rescue game plan will be delivered free of charge to your front door. Once again, to get that retirement rescue game plan, just go to warrenwealth.net. Now, on to the show. So, um, uh, it is, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're here um, and it is uh, uh, a little gloomy uh, and uh, uh, muggy outside um, and kind of waiting for these seasons uh, to change. Uh, but, you know, I'm really not, uh, um, you know, we're not really too political on this show. And I don't even know mm-hmm. if we talk about, you know, climate change or global warming. I don't know if that's... Uh, I don't know if that's a political topic or whatever. Um, it's pretty it's, much it, science. Actually, it seems like it's it seems like everything though these days <clears throat> has to do with uh, you know it gets political. You know, somebody yes. politicizes it somehow. But you do wonder with the way that <clears throat> the seasons just shift from uh, hot to cold, or I mean, it's just the weather's all over the place. It is all over and, the place. And uh, I'm, I'm I'm tired of it. And um, you know, I like consistency. People like consistency. Kentucky's kind of been like that, though, for a long time. You know, there's this, like, meme that goes around that talks about how there's all the seasons can happen in one day in Kentucky. You know what? I bet you, this is funny. Now, I'll give you an assignment here. Okay. Um, uh, Input, any state. Yes. I bet you it's just not Kentucky. Yes. I bet you it's a few other states that basically say the same thing. It's like driving. When people talk about drivers, nobody in insert blank city or insert blank state knows how to drive. Knows how to drive. Oh, that's true, though. People say that all the time. I mean, that's true. No matter where you are. People in Idaho don't know how to drive. And, you know, we know people in Idaho don't even have cars. Just kidding. I kid Idaho. Anyway, let's get to Money Matters. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Money, 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 money. <laughs> All right, all right. Um, you know, Idaho, they do have good potatoes, though. There we you know, go. Can get a there good we go. baked potato. Uh, potatoes all gratin. Uh, mashed potatoes, whipped potatoes. Um, you know, potatoes that go in shepherd's pie. You know, a lot of good stuff over there in Idaho. Anyway, so um, this market volatility, um, you know, still has has people spooked, um, you know, as far as 
the way that the market has been going up and it's been going down. It's been a big uh, roller coaster ride. <clears throat> and I think that, you know, when you think about it, these roller coaster rides, it causes investors, and I say this all the time if you listen to the show, that one person out there, that uh, the markets are going to do what the market does. And it goes up, it goes down, it goes up, it goes down. And you can always count on that. And the one thing that is predictable is the fact that the markets are going to be volatile. And so how do investors try to prepare for that? Um, and, you know, we've uh, broke it down into uh, a few different things that um, investing uh, in volatile markets uh, or retirement planning in volatile markets, things that uh, you need to uh, make sure that uh, you do uh, and or you don't do. Um, and the first thing you don't want to do is you don't want to just jump out and panic, right? Because watching from the sidelines, it may cost you. When markets become volatile, um, a lot of people try to guess when stocks will bottom out, when it's going to be at its lowest point. And in the meantime, their money is just sitting there in cash. So the markets start to go down, they jump out, and then they think they know when the bottom is, is going to get there. And they don't. But just as many uh, investors, they're slow. Just, I mean, they're, they're slow to recognize uh, a market that is uh, going down, right? They think they, can, the, they think they can find the bottom. But many also fail to f realize, or if they're looking at their charts and graphs, and we know that individual investors aren't looking at, at, at those things, but they also fail to see when the market is trending upwards, and they miss out on a lot of opportunities. And we've said this on a few different shows that, um, you know, if you just stay invested, um, you know, for the most part, you don't have to worry about missing particular gains. Um, and the, there's stats and there's numbers that basically show that what happens if you miss like the best five days or the best 10 days of, of, of the market. And so if you haven't heard that, well, I will explain to you um, uh, how that works. And so let's go back the last 20 years. So if, uh, from 2000, uh, 2002, uh, we'll, we'll go 2001 to uh, 2021. So for 20 years, right? So if you basically were invested the whole entire time, your average rate of return was about nine and a half percent. Not so bad. And we're talking about the S&P 500, nine and a half percent. Now, if you missed the best 10 days during that whole 20-year time frame, we're talking about the best 10 days in that whole 20-year time frame, your average rate of return goes from 9.5% down to 5.3%. And that's just missing the best 10 days, by the way, in a 20-year span. If you miss the 20 best days in that 20-year span, your average return is now 2.6%. And if you miss 30 days, the best 30 days in a 20-year time frame, you basically have broken even. It's a half a percent average annual return. And let's just say you missed the best 40 days of a 20-year span. Then your average rate of return is negative 1.5%. That is why trying to jump in and out of the market, trying to time the market, it is going to cost you. So how do you make sure 
that you don't make these rash decisions because a lot of you are like, you know, I saw my account value go down and it's just going down, Mark, because you don't know what you're talking about. But if you have a plan, the way to mitigate against that is to have a plan going in. You have to look at your risk tolerance um, and have a have a good assessment of what you can bear. Now, the only thing that's uh, the only little fallacy about these risk tolerance questionnaires is that when it's it's timing, we're talking about timing the market. But when you take those risk questionnaires, it's about timing too. Well, what do I mean by that? What I mean is the fact that if we are in an upward moving market. If we have a bull market, which is an upward moving market, and when the average individual investor takes that questionnaire, they tend to uh, feel like they can take on a bunch of risk. Why? Because the market's going up, they feel good about themselves, and uh, they generally answer those questions uh, where they end up with a higher risk level. Conversely, if I had people take a risk uh, assessment now, most people would be a lot more conservative than they may generally be. And that is because of these emotions that drive the market. And of course, that is fear and that is greed. And we're going to talk about that here uh, a little later. But uh, the one thing you can't do is time the market. And if you happen to miss out on those best days, it can really cost you. Now, what else can you do during these volatile markets? Well, um, the one thing that you need to do is make sure if you were currently working, is that you and you have a company retirement plan that you're that you are still contributing to that company retirement plan? Why is that? Well, you are essentially uh, doing what is called dollar cost averaging your way into the market, and dollar cost averaging it does make it easier to cope with volatility. How you may ask? Well, like I said, the market goes up, it goes down, it goes up, it goes down. In, time, in these periods like now where the market is down and you are still contributing to some sort of company retirement plan or to your IRA, you are in essence buying low because the whole idea about the market is you're supposed to buy low and then you're supposed to sell high, right? And by dollar cost averaging, when the market is down and you are still con uh, continuing to buy you are in essence buying more shares at a lower price. And even if stocks start to go up, everything kind of evens out. That's why it's called averaging. And you are able to make money over the long term. You see, but dollar cost averaging, that involves continuous disciplined investment in uh, your IRA, in your mutual funds, whatever it may be. And so you have to make sure that you don't automatically just stop contributing to everything. You don't want to uh, jump out of the market and then you don't want to cut off your uh, contributions to your retirement plan because you are missing buying opportunities. So you have to make sure that you're doing the right thing um, and you're not panicking like a lot of uh, people do. All right. So um, what else? What else can uh, you do during these 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 volatile times? Um, you know, I really think that you know you have to uh, uh, make sure that you review your investments, review your retirement plan. I've talked about having a retirement plan. Now may be a great time for a portfolio checkup. Um, is your portfolio as diversified as you may think? 
because a lot of times it might not be because your your portfolio's uh, allocation or weight or weightings uh, in different uh, mutual funds or asset classes it may shift over time as one investment performs better or worse than another. But together with a good financial fiduciary advisor, you can now maybe a good time to re-examine your portfolio to see if you are properly diversified. Um, uh, and you can also determine whether your current portfolio mix, whether it's 60% bonds, 40% stocks, or vice versa, whatever that may be, 80-20, uh, whatever it may be, if that is still suitable and it matches your goals and or your risk tolerance. All right. So those are things you can do instead of panicking and making a rash decision in regards to your financial future when we hit these volatile markets. So we're going to continue this conversation. Uh, So coming up next, we'll talk about uh, more things you can do uh, in these periods of volatility. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about uh, emotional investing. You are listening to The Marcus Warren Show. This is a this was a good song, a good build up, you know, to a song, kind of a grandiose uh, uh, intro start up before the beat just drops and uh, Justin comes in. By the way, this is uh, uh, Justin Timberlake. Mm-hmm. The song is "Mirrors." Um, came out in 2013. It's almost 10 years ago. Wow. Uh, number two in the U.S., number one in the U.K. Song. I love this. Song. Eight minutes long. When it came out, <laughs> loved it. Eight minutes long. And I still love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good album. You know, well, good one stands the test of time. Yes. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. He's one of my favorite artists, although he hasn't put anything out for about ten years now. Well, anything good for ten years. <laughs> I think he has an album since here, since then. Anyway. Yes, it's called Man in the Woods. <laughs> yes. There's... Anyway, welcome back to the show. The Marcus Warren Show, and uh, oh, by the way, you uh, um, speaking of Justin, you uh, have an interesting uh, factor or some news. Uh, what did he do recently? Uh, he just sold the rights to all of his basically song, basically all of his songs to a private equity firm called Blackstone for a whopping hundred million dollars. Wow. Um, it seems like a lot of money, but it's really not when you think about selling someone's catalog of, yes. of, of music. Um, yeah, you know, in comparison, especially of, someone big like Justin Timberlake. Yeah, like and, and er, earlier like off that. off uh, <clears throat> um, during commercial break, you had mentioned uh, uh, Bruce Springsteen. Mm-hmm. Sold you sold his, his catalog, catalog mm-hmm. five hundred and fifty million. Five hundred and fifty million dollars. Yeah. So five times more. I mean, I know Bruce has a longer career and so forth and so on, but yeah. I mean, a couple hundred million dollars. Uh, Justin, something? Anyway. Anyway. All right, this is the Marcus Warren Show. And so last segment, we were talking about um, uh, fear and uh, the volatile market, some things you can do, um, you know, to kind of protect yourselves. Of course, you don't want to try to time the market. You don't want to pull out in cash and then wait on the sidelines. Um, You know, you want to keep dollar cost averaging your way into the market if you can via Company retirement plan, <clears throat> IRA, something like that. You just, uh, 
have to make sure that uh, you're not making any rash decisions. It might be a good time to get a portfolio checkup if you have uh, an advisor or a good fiduciary a planner that you're working with. Another thing that um, you may want to do is turn the TV off. Um, uh, tune out all the noise, um, and you have to think long-term. There are numerous television stations, uh, websites, social media channels, uh, TikTok, um, that are dedicated to uh, reporting uh, investment news 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And uh, I didn't even talk about the financial publications, you know, Bloomberg and uh, Wall Street Street Journal, Journal. all of that stuff. Now, the media, sometimes they can provide valuable service, but they typically take a short-term outlook. It's always what is uh, going on today and uh, what's the uh, worst possible news that we can report today, right? And then they just move on. And uh, to put, you need to put your own investment plan, your retirement plan, in a longer term perspective, and understand that uh, you're you're taking that long that long term outlook. But most people, number one, most people don't have a plan. Um, we come to find that out all, all the time. They're kind of just fly by night. They're just uh, putting money uh, away, uh, and hopefully they're putting money away. But you're you know you're contributing to your four hundred one k, your four hundred three b, IRA, whatever that may be, and um, you're just uh, kind of going along without any sort of plan for it. And so when we do hit a period of market volatility where the market uh, uh, drops precipitously or is up and down, up and down. Um, that is generally when those uh, uh, those uh, emotions uh, creep in. And what are those two emotions? Well, those two emotions are fear and it's greed. And uh, right now we are in this fearful mode. So we was in uh, the greed mode um, not too long ago, uh, actually for about uh, 10 to 12 years when the market was just going up and up and up uh, since it bottomed out in 2009. The market has just been pretty much skyrocketing and people have felt pretty good about themselves and uh, got greedy, wanted to continue uh, to uh, stay uh, invested in stocks, not not coming up with a, a plan, not trying to find some foundational assets that uh, that were going to give them stability in their in, in their portfolio. Then, of course, uh Crypto uh, and NFTs and these things come along, and uh, you know it didn't help that uh, the government uh, was you know throwing out stimulus checks and things of that nature. But then you have an influx of of, of some cash that comes in, and then more uh, money goes into the market during during an upward swing, and people are feeling pretty good about themselves, feeling that they are responsible for the market moving up, and they are good stock pickers. They are able to pick the good ETFs, the good mutual funds, and really it was just that a rising tide was lifting all boats. And that optimism turned into excitement, that excitement turned into thrill, and then that thrill turned into euphoria. And now, at least starting uh, 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 late last year, the market started to change. And that euphoria turned into some complacency. That complacency turned into anxiety. And that's when you started seeing the market move down. And then at first, what do you have? You have denial. People are saying, ah, well, it, it, it'll turn, you know, it, it, it'll come back around. Uh, not really realizing that a general bear market 
That means when the market is 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 down for for a period of time, a bear market it generally happens about every four to five years. But like I said earlier, we were ten to twelve years in to a bull market when the market just been going up and up and up. So a lot of people forgot that a bear is generally lurking around the corner, ready to jump out and attack at any time. But they denied it. And now that denial has turned to fear. And when fear drives a market, people tend to do the wrong thing at the wrong time, and they do it all the time. And then that fear turns to panic. And that's why we have seen the S&P so far is down almost 20%. The Dow Jones is down almost 20%. And people are, are starting to, to panic a little bit and make these rash decisions. And it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's not a smart move to make your financial decisions uh, that are going to determine how much money you have in retirement out of fear or out of panic. And then, by the way, when you do panic, when the market is going down, you know what you end up doing? You end up selling low. And like I said earlier, the whole point of this game is to buy low and sell high. But when that emotions kick in, you tend to do the opposite. You tend to buy high when you're feeling good, and then you tend to sell low. And unfortunately, that's not the way things should go. And we fall into this behavioral finance or just behavioral um, uh, retirement planning that uh, a lot of individual investors do where, um, you know, when they feel good is when they want to jump into the market. And when they feel bad is when they want to jump out. And that is why we have this retirement crisis. That is why the market in general has averaged, you know, around uh, nine to 10% historically, but the average individual investor has averaged a lot less than that, not even 3% over the course of, um, uh, the market being around. Why? Because those emotions that I just talked about, fear and greed. Um, I see you over there. Did you want to add anything, Dee? Yeah, yeah, I think one of the things that's unique about this um, economic environment uh, is typically when the market is going down, um, people tend to get out of some of those equities and go into bond funds, fixed income funds instead. But this year, we've seen the bond funds and the in, uh, fixed income funds also go st- uh, start to go down. Yep. Um, and that's because interest rates are starting to go up. Yeah. Yeah. There are a, a lot of, yeah, th- this is one of those, you know, crazy markets where um, generally when the stock market starts to go down, people jump into fixed income bonds, CDs. But we know that uh, historically, interest rates are at historical lows. And, um, and inflation is, is, is high also. And bonds and interest rates or fixed income and interest rates, they have an inverse relationship. And so the Fed is starting to uh, increase uh, interest rates. And when interest rates go up, uh, the value of your bonds uh, tend to go down. And so uh, that is why you're seeing uh, bond funds uh, that are down right now. Um, although, uh, even, even when, uh, you know, stocks and, and those types of investments are, are going down as well. And so people are, are, are scrambling towards some sort of safety and you think there would be safety in cash. And by the way, there, you know, there, there is, but with high inflation, you're actually losing money by having your uh, money sit in cash. And so where investors are in this precarious situation on, uh, as far as what should they do? And, you know, really, you know, d- during a, a time like this, you know, you have to uh, believe your beliefs and you have to 
doubt your doubts. Um, you know, because there's no real secret to managing volatility. Um, most investors uh, or most retirees, most investors, you should already know that the best way to navigate these types of markets is to have a good long-term plan in a well-diversified portfolio. Um, you know, and, and I understand. I just talked about behavioral finance and investing. You know, sticking to those fundamental beliefs is it, sometimes and a lot of times easier said than done, especially if you're consuming all of the short-term news that's out there. But, uh, you know, when you are put to the test, when we are in an environment like this, you sometimes start to begin doubting your beliefs and then believing your doubts. And that can lead to these short-term moves that you make that divert you from that date yeah that divert you from your long-term goals and so just like i said you have to believe your beliefs and doubt your doubts have to stick to a long-term investment plan bam there you go d do you have a uh, uh, a tax uh, thing that's coming up all right well coming up next we're going to get into d's tax corner you are listening to the marcus warren show Wow, this is uh, slow, gloomy, you know? Want to know why? Why? Because well, this is uh, Nirvana. Okay. <laughs> it's called uh, Something in the Way. Came out in 1991. Okay. Been used in a... Uh, Few films, you know, uh, Jarhead, okay. back in 2005, mm-hmm. and then most recently, The Batman. Yes, uh, I, was, I was wondering if you could add the The Batman. Yeah, that's what it's called. The Batman. Yeah, yes. say it right. Yes, and it's kind of apropos because um, um, you know this Batman was kind of uh, gloomy. Uh, gloomy, yeah. He was uh, of. He, he, he was grunge. He, yes, he was grunge. He was there, grunge. There you go. Perfect fit. There you go. All right. Welcome back to the show, the Marcus Warren Show. Now, everyone knows what time it is. It is time. And if you don't, you will now because it is time to get into D's Tax Corner. Because I'm the tax man. Yeah, I'm the tax man. Or woman. All right. So for today's tax corner, I want to discuss a topic that often confuses a lot of people. And actually, you brought it up in the first segment, and it is the gift tax or the gift slash estate tax. So I often get asked, do I have to pay taxes on the money or maybe the property that I give as a gift to someone? Um, And most people think that they do. And most people are confused about who pays it, the person who gives it or the person who receives it. But for most people, the answer is nobody has to pay that tax. Yeah, I think that's the uh, probably one of the, the biggest myths is, it is. Uh, that you have to pay tax on the gifts you receive. Mm-hmm. Or the gifts or even, that you give. Yes, or even give. Yes. Right. Sorry, so let's break it down. Let's see how it works. Let's uh, uh, work through a few client examples. So example number one, we have Kevin and Laura, and they want to give their daughter and son-in-law 
a $75,000 cash gift, that's really nice, uh, to put down uh, a down payment on their home. So who has to pay taxes on the $75,000? The answer is nobody. The gift tax doesn't kick in quite yet. Now, the thing that probably confuses a lot of people is that each year you are technically supposed to report to the IRS any gifts that you make that are over $16,000. That's for 2022. This exemption amount goes up every few years. Uh, But just because you report it doesn't mean that it's taxable. So Kevin and Laura can each give a $16,000 gift to their daughter and they can each give a $16,000 gift to their son-in-law with no reporting requirements. But there are still $11,000 left. So do they have to pay taxes on that amount? The answer is still no. Okay. The reason for that is because everybody gets a lifetime exemption amount. And this is actually for giving gifts while you are alive and then for everything that stays in your estate after you pass away. So this lifetime amount, like you mentioned earlier, is currently just over $12 million per person. Yeah, so in essence, um, I don't know if I'm getting ahead of yourself or myself. (laughs) Um, In essence, when you're filing that gift tax return, Mm -hmm. you are just reporting to the IRS that they can deduct that, what did you say, $16,000 gift that you gave from that your $12 million uh, pot, so to speak. Exactly. Right. That's exactly right. Yes. And actually you don't even have to report the first 16,000. So if you give, if you give 17, you would just deduct $1,000 from 12 million and still have 12 million left. So this lifetime uh, exemption amount um, after that's used up, that's when gift and estate taxes kick in. And those can be pretty high. Actually, those amounts are, do start pretty high. Um, And so Here's another potential uh, issue that comes in when it comes to estate planning and and planning for some of these gift taxes is that that lifetime exemption amount, it has fluctuated over the years. So it doubled during the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act when that was passed. It went from about 5 million to about 10 to 11 million. Right. And we all know, and if you don't know, now you will know that the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act is going to expire at the end of 2025, which means that that exemption amount likely will also expire and go back down to the levels that it was in prior years. And in fact, I think as early as maybe 20 years ago, mm-hmm. that, that exemption amount was maybe 600000 Seven. It was pretty yeah, low. I was alive when it was alive. <laughs> it wasn't too long ago when uh, it was you know $600,000. So we've seen the gift tax um, or the estate tax slash gift tax, whatever you want to call it, you know, continue to, to go up and up and up. Um, and there was one time, uh, one year, where there was no estate tax. So if uh, you happen to die, leave money to kids, no mm. tax. Um, mm. Well, that's not way, ever coming back. George, George, yeah, George Stein, Steinbrenner, owner of the uh, Yankees, former owner of the Yankees, or mm-hmm. I guess his family still owns it, but he died during the time. Wow. Family got that. Didn't have to worry about estate taxes. Oh, man. They oh, got man. lucky. They did I do, lucky. I, I do want to throw this caveat, though, uh, about gift tax. Now, yes. if you're an employer or you're an employee and you receive a gift from your employer. Yes. Uh, sometimes that may be taxable. Correct. So we're talking about personal 
We are talking about personal gifts. gifts. Yes. Okay. Go ahead. Yes, and even employers sometimes might have to pay taxes on gifts if they're over twenty five dollars per person that they give to. So yes. it's not very high. That amount is not very high. Yep. Um, so example number two. So our first example was a cash gift to daughter and son in law. Uh, example number two is uh, Sonia gives her son a two hundred thousand dollar house as a gift. Again, we have very generous people in our examples. So her son, he does not pay her anything for the house, and the house is paid off. That's a gift. You don't receive anything in return. Or you might receive less in return than the value of whatever you're giving, and so that remainder is the gift. But in this case, she didn't give, the son didn't give his mom anything. She gave him a $200,000 house. Now, in this case, because the value of the house is over $16,000, that's the annual exclusion limit, Sonia has to file, or she's technically needs to file a gift tax return to report the remaining amount, which is uh, the one eighty four thousand. Now she still doesn't have to pay taxes, right? Because she hasn't reached her twelve million dollar exemption. Are you with me? Yes. So two hundred thousand dollar house. Right. Sixteen thousand is the exemption amount for the right. year. So oh. she has to report the remaining one eighty four. Yes. Gotcha. So now the one thing I like to caution people about giving property to children is that it changes something called the cost basis in the property. So what does this mean? Typically, if you sell your home, which was your primary residence, then you would calculate the gain by taking the sales price minus the cost of the home. So keeping it simple. Say, um, I, set, I buy a house for $100,000 and I sell it for $150,000. My gain is $50,000. Now, because it's my primary home, I actually don't have to pay taxes on any gain, up to $250,000 for single and five hundred dollars for married couples. So my house can appreciate $250,000 before I have to pay any capital gains taxes. But this changes if you're giving a gift to your child. The amounts used to calculate the gain change. A gift of property. Property. property, Or just property that can appreciate, even if it's a stock. Even if it's a stock. Yes. Same thing. Yep, Yep. exactly. So in our example, Sonia bought her house for $20,000. Let's say she bought it, you know, a long time ago. $20,000. She gives it to her son. He lives in it for 10 years, and then he sells it for $300,000. So his gain is $300,000, what he sold it for, minus what his mother paid for it, which was $20,000. So now he has a $280,000 gain on this house. And the reason that he has this gain is because he received it as a gift. He didn't pay for it. Uh, from his to to purchase it from his mom, or he didn't inherit it. Yes, also. I was just going to say that if instead he had inherited the home after mom passed away, then his starting point for calculating gain would be the value of the home when she passed away. Okay. So, like you mentioned, gifting stocks works in the same way. You typically take on the basis or the cost of the donor when you are selling a stock for a gain. So one final example, let's talk about Wendy. Okay. She gives her son $11,000 each year to help pay for tuition for her grandsons who are in school. Now, this amount, it's under the annual $16,000 exclusion, so she doesn't even have to file a gift tax return. She doesn't have to pay any taxes. Um, and it's her question to me was, well, can I deduct this as an expense? The answer is no, mm. can't. So in order to deduct, to deduct education expenses, you have to be able to claim somebody as a dependent. Um, 
And not only that, education expenses have to be for post-secondary education like college or university. Right. So her only option is setting up a 529 plan. Yeah, and you still can't deduct Yes. what you contribute to a 529 plan. Some states let you do it. Either. But not on the federal level, correct? No, no, no. And that's what we generally talk about because we know we have listeners in all 50 states probably. And um, we always talk from a, a, a federal tax level, um, especially in regards to, you know, the, the main thing that we talk about on the show, which, which are, which are taxes. Um, so the punchline moral of the story, unless you plan on amassing over $12 million in assets, you likely won't. Everybody does. That's the American dream. <laughs> that is actually everybody's plan. You're right. Uh, but unless you do actually do that, you won't, um, you likely won't ever have to pay or worry about the gift tax or the estate tax, because it's really meant to avoid uh, or, or to keep people from avoiding those taxes at death, like the owner of the the Yankees that you just oh yeah the Yankees about. yes mm-hmm. the um, George yes. George Steinbrenner he he, he lucked to, out or they mm-hmm. planned it uh, perfectly or there were some shenanigans <laughs> uh, going on with the uh, family knowing that they uh, wouldn't have to pay any uh, any gift t- or any uh, yes. state tax but you know that's the way it is by the way. When we talk about gift tax, estate tax, um, whatever it may be, especially, you know, taxes that, you know, death taxes that a lot of uh, regular people are worried about, don't worry about it because the estate tax affects 0.001%. I'm sorry, I left something out, 0.0001% of most Americans because most people don't die with an estate valued over $12 million and or $24 million uh, if you're uh, married. So, you know, people get concerned about uh, the wrong things. And I know why, because taxes are out there and you hear stuff from, you know, mainstream media, Today Show, stuff like that, uh, CBS Morning News, anything that applies to you. And, you know, you have questions. And the good thing is we have answers. Thank you, D, for that uh, tax corner. Because I'm the tax man. Yeah. Or woman. All right, coming up next, we're going to get into some news you can use and news you can't use. You're listening to The Marcus Warren Show. All right. A little haunting uh, tune that we have uh, behind us. Common theme is to you know these uh, Justin songs start off kind of slow and then the beat drops here, like right, right, right here now. See. All right, this is uh, Justin Timberlake still. Yes. Um, it is Crimea River. Came out 20 years ago. Wow. 2002. Number three in the U.S. Number two in the U.K. There you go. This was a song, uh, they say it was about Britney Spears when they used to date. They dated for a couple of years. And Especially in that music video. Drama. Remember right music now. videos? Um, yeah, they, I, mean, I remember they, uh, music videos. Yeah, when they <laughs> happened, yes. yes. Yep. Anyway, welcome back to the show, The Marcus Warren Show. Remember that you can request your retirement rescue game plan. All you have to do is go to warrenwealth.net. That's warrenwealth.net. There you will receive, if you so choose, a retirement rescue game plan that will help rescue your retirement from all the risks that threaten your nest egg. We're talking about 
market risk, inflation risk, and most importantly, tax rate risk you got to protect your hard-earned money from the IRS. Once again, all you have to do is go to warrenwealth.net. All right, uh, just like we said earlier, um, we played a couple of Justin songs, and it's because he just sold his catalog to a private equity group, uh, would you say Blackstone, mm-hmm. uh, for $100 million. Not so bad. Anyway, that was just a little bit of news. Now we're going to give you more news you can use. Well, just eight companies are to blame for nearly half of the stock market's decline this year. Of course, the big ones, Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Tesla, parent companies of Google and Facebook, ABC and Alphabet and Meta. Um, <laughs> ABC, ABC, yeah, you were going to see the whole, the whole alphabet. <laughs> yes, I was. Um, they accounted for 25% of the S&P 500 heading into 2022. And then, of course, the other two rounding out the top eight that are the cause of the decline are NVIDIA and Netflix. Um, who are, They are responsible for about 46% of the S&P 500 losses this year. You talked about earlier, of course, S&P is down about 20% for the year. Um but the, so some of those players have, have dropped even further. Netflix, um, 70% mm-hmm. decline. Uh, Meta and NVIDIA, 43%. And the other five stocks all drop between 20 to 35%. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, um, it's interesting because, you know, when the market was on a tear, uh, mm-hmm. I think we talked about it way back when, that it was really like, Five or eight stocks that was driving the that S and P, and of course now um, uh, we have that in reverse. So there you go. Yes. That's how the uh, the market works, people. That's how that's how it goes. That's how it goes. What else you got? All right, consumers with low credit scores, aka some subprime borrowers, are falling behind. Surprise, surprise! On payments for car loans, personal loans, and credit cards. Um, the share of, of subprime credit cards and personal loans are at least 60 days late. Um, this is rising faster than normal, according to Equifax. Now, during the pandemic, when we had all the stimulus, yeah. um, a lot of uh, lenders were a little bit more lenient, lenient really? in, in giving some subprime borrowers um, um, some of these loans. And now they are seeing that they are starting to default. Yeah, so or, or on the verge. On the verge of starting to default. You know, so you know that's um, you know it's it, it, it you know it is, it is what it is. Um, you know I think that when you know we get an infusion of cash that comes into the economy, um, you know a lot of uh, uh, corporations and companies they want that cash. Yeah. So they lower you know some standards a little bit just to get that cash and uh, you know and uh, they're. Especially if we're talking about, uh, you know, actual property and things of that nature, where all they got to do is go back and uh, repossess those things and uh, sell it back. What so the heck? That's right. So there you are. Yep. Yep. Oh, and, yeah. it, and of course, you've got inflation. You've got the cost of food and, and gas and, and, and used cars used and cars everything going, going up. up. Yep. Yeah. So people are, people are, you know, spending their money on some of the necessities and maybe saying, I can't continue to pay this loan off anymore. Yeah, I, I think that's probably one of the, 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 the bigger contributors because, you know, when, when you're talking about, you know, am I going to put uh, food on the table with these higher food prices, that's going to pull away from that monthly payment for that car that you used to have. Oh, by the way, 
you got to fill that car up with gas oh, yeah. that is now dang near five dollars almost yeah yeah That's, seven if you're in california yeah six if you're in uh chicago my uh my daughter goes to school in uh Chicago, and she was complaining about the uh, the price of gas. And you know what I said? I said Chicago has a pretty good uh, uh, train system. It does and good uh, public transport? Mm-hmm. Uh, public transportation. You better use that. That's right. Anyway, what else? All right. The <laughs> Internal Revenue Service is investigating American Express over a questionable tax break that it pitched to its clients. The civil investigation has been underway for a few months. The Wall Street Journal reported in November that Amex salespeople touted a tax break based on a shaky quote-unquote, interpretation of the tax law as part of a strategy to persuade business owners to sign up, of course, for some uh, fee credit cards. So the uh, pitch went out to eye doctors, McDonald's franchisees, and payroll companies, and it said, reduce your taxable income burden to Uncle Sam. The salespeople laid out the strategy, use Amex to pay your employees and suppliers. You'll have to pay a fee. But you'll come out ahead because you can earn rewards on the transactions that can be uh, converted into untaxed cash. Okay. So some of those rewards points that you get, you get those tax-free. You might have to pay a little bit of a fee, but the rewards that you get are going to supposedly offset. This was the pitch. The the rewards you get are going to offset. The the problem is. Yeah, tell me what's wrong with that. The po- rewards points are tax-free to individuals, not to business owners. So rewards point that you get from a credit card, if you have a personal credit card and you spend it and you have rewards points, that's supposed to be tax-free to individuals. It's not supposed to be tax-free to business owners. Right. That's where the IRS is saying, wait a minute. But isn't a business owner an individual? Yes. But if it's a business card versus a personal card... Yeah, we'll see about that. That's why they uh, go through the litigation process because, you know, there's uh, you know two sides to every story. Yes. And it's just interesting because, you know, we are tax focused here in the office. And so, you know, we try to find ways or the green lights in, in, in the tax code and, um, you know, advise our clients accordingly. And we always want to be above board. You know, and make sure that, uh, you know, we're uh, doing things that um, are, are, are legal and um, are in the tax code. Uh, but, uh, you know, we'll have to see how this plays out. Because uh, it's, cl- it's not necessarily as clear cut as this Of course is not it's not. That's yes. why you go into litigation and you go to the courts. That's true. Good. Very true. Good stuff. All right, D. Thank you very much for that news you can use. And you all know if we left you with that, that would be enough. You would be satiated. But you would may want just a little bit more because, you know, in this uh, volatile market that we have, all this bad news coming in, people need some levity. And we like to provide that levity. And you want and you yearn that levity. That's why we have the news you can't use. Speaking of being satiated, a Wisconsin man who earned a Guinness World Record for the most Big Macs eaten in a lifetime. In a lifetime? Celebrated another milestone. Oh. 50 years of eating a Big Mac nearly every single day. Okay. This man is named Don Gorski. He's surprisingly still alive. 
Um, oh, no. <laughs> he, he, in 1999, earned a Guinness World Record when he was confirmed to, to have eaten 15,490 Big Macs in his lifetime. And then he beat his own record in August of last year when the total surpassed 32,340 Big Macs. He says he needs the, eats them wow. nearly daily, sometimes twice a day. Okay, so this, uh, what, what's his name? Don Gorski. Gorski. Gordo? Yes. No, okay. he is not. He is not. Uh, chunky and funky. Chunky and funky. He is uh, <clears throat> just tall, slim man who likes his uh, likes his yeah. Big Mac. Well, you know, I mean, you got to think. Well, think about this. All right. So, I mean, if, you, if he's if he's working out, I mean, really, it, it, it's calories in. It, it's just calories out or whatever you burn, right? And so, if you look at, uh, do, do you have your uh, your calculator there? You got your calculator. Yeah, he's yes. a pretty slim guy, and he's yes. still alive. Uh, yes. But you know, so uh, 563 calories, which is in the Big Mac. Okay. Times that 32,000, however many uh, days. Not, well, days are just. Or how many? How many he's Big Macs? Eaten. Yes, he's eaten. Uh, just do a roughly 32,000. 32,340. Mm-hmm. That's 18.2 million calories. Wow, over a, over a lifetime. Yes. That's a that's a lot. But yes. you know, 563 calories. If he works out once a day, he probably burns you know four to five hundred calories. So he's sure. you know just breaking yeah. even, right? Yes, I'm sure the now, person he probably has Big mad heart disease <laughs> and uh, 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 you know cholesterol you know through the roof. But other than that, uh, you know, he's uh, he's all good. I'm gonna have to do that. It makes me want a Big Mac today. I might have to go out there and uh, uh, partake. In the Big Mac. Yes. He says he's know. tried other burgers, but it's just not the same. Two all-beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickled onion on a sesame seed bun. There we go. Yummy, yummy. All right, one more. All right. A Brazilian man celebrated his 100th birthday last month. By the way, a Big Mac has 25 grams of fat, 560 calories, and 25 Wow. Grams of fat. All right, go ahead. Sorry. Yes. Uh, a Brazilian man celebrated his 100th birthday earlier this year, actually just last month. He was also awarded a Guinness World Record I mean, after. I bet he wasn't eating Big Macs. He wasn't right? eating Big Macs, but he did work at the same company for more than 84 years. <laughs> All right. What, 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 what company is this? He it's a Brazilian a company, obviously. Textile company, yes. Wow. Uh, Renault View, yes, for eighty-four years and ninety and nine days. Wow. Yes. So, um, was he running the company, or did he have the same position and didn't move up once? And if he did not, uh, I got some questions for this he, guy. He got some promotions. Okay. He was promoted to a position in sales, position of sales manager. Okay. And he there says go. he remains in good health and still drives himself to the office. Oh, so he's still working. Still too. working. That's good. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's good because you know, once you stop working, sometimes you, you yeah. know, you stop, your heart stops working. There you go. And then there you go. Thank you, D, <laughs> for that news you could not and can't use. And we all know what that music means. It means we've come to the end of the show. I want to thank everyone for listening. Have a great week and take it easy on this Sunday. Thank you for listening to the Marcus Warren Show. For more information or to request your retirement toolkit, contact Marcus at 502-339-8255 or visit his website at talktomarcus.com. Warren Wealth Management and Tax Planning and WGTK are not affiliated. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendations to buy or sell any financial vehicle. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with a professional specializing in the fields of tax, legal, accounting, or investments regarding the applicability of this information for their situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested.